Hello and welcome to Travel Along. I'm Laura Lisensky. I'll give you some tips on traveling and take you along with me on my adventures. This is episode two of my Costa Rican adventure. And in this episode, I'm bringing you to Tortuguero. Tortuguero, as it sounds, is named for the turtles. Certain times of year, you can see green turtles or leatherback turtles coming onto the sand and laying eggs. Other times of year, you can see the hatchlings trying to make their way to the ocean. I am, of course, not here at the correct time of year for that, but there's lots more to see and do here. We're in the middle of the jungle. You can only get here by boat or a very small airplane. We're up in the northeastern coast of Costa Rica on a long, thin peninsula. So on one side of Tortuguero, we have the ocean, and on the other side, we have a series of canals. So today, I will give you some tips about getting here and what to do here, as well as bring you along on some of these tours that I'm going on. So come along with me to Tortuguero, Costa Rica. Good morning. This is my first morning in Tortuguero, and I'm going on a canoe tour this morning. Leaves at 5.45. The animals are better in the morning. I've been doing a lot of going to bed early and waking up early here. Well, not going to bed as early as I should, but last night I did. I was exhausted from everything I've been doing. I was in bed by 7 last night. But my tour leaves at 5.45 in the morning, and so uh, the guy at the hostel suggested that I wake up at 5. There was some coffee already made in the hostel kitchen, and I walk out to the beach. And the town of Tortuguero is very small, only 1,500 people, very, very geared around tourism. Um, Someone told me 99% of people here work in tourism in one way or another, even if that's catching fish to sell at the restaurants that tourists buy. But I walked just through the football fields here to the ocean to see the sunrise this morning. Um, It's a beautiful beach. Strong waves. You are not supposed to swim here due to both the waves and the sharks. So I'll be heading south to Puerto Viejo to do my swimming tomorrow. Well worth getting up early today. But let's back up a little bit, because getting to Tortuguero is the most interesting part. There are no roads here, so whether you're driving or taking public buses or taking the tourist shuttles, you're going to have to transfer to a boat. So if you are coming up the Caribbean coast, you are going to get on a boat uh, in Moine, 
or if you're coming from San Jose or La Fortuna, like I was, you'll transfer to a boat at La Pavona. So I had an interesting time trying to get here. My, I was actually delayed by a day because in La Fortuna, I couldn't find a shuttle to get me here. I'm usually the type of traveler that likes to take public buses and see the country that way. Uh, but in order to go from La Fortuna to Tortuguero by public bus, I would have had to go all the way back south to San Jose and then back up northeast again to Tortuguero, which I don't even think I could have done in a day. I was hearing horror stories about how long traffic can slow you down in San Jose, and it just seemed like it seemed like a time to save a little time and uh, get a tourist shuttle. So I was trying to do that, but you have to have at least two people for a shuttle, and no one was leaving La Fortuna on Saturday to go to Tortuguero. So I got stuck there one extra night, which worked out fine, and then took a shuttle to Tortuguero, although it was really interesting because it turned out to be a, a tourist company that did uh, rafting tours. So I ended out doing the first leg of my journey with a couple folks that were about to go on a rafting tour. Then turns out they stopped and fed me breakfast, which was great. We left at 5.45 in the morning. Um, and then I changed and got on a shuttle with some other tourists that were coming from the other direction and all going to El Tortuguero. Um, so then we went down smaller and smaller roads until we finally got to La Pavona. So at that point, we transferred to our own lancha and started heading down the river. So we started off on a fairly small river. This was a probably an hour and a half long boat ride. It was a long, skinny boat, just two seats wide, uh, but a motorboat, and was pretty cool zipping along these little rivers. At one point we saw a caiman, so they stopped and turned around and showed that to us. Um, it was kind of cool. At one point we got to the bigger canal, which goes down by the peninsula next to Tortuguero. And uh, at that point there was the same green signs that you see on the road pointing different directions, showing you the distances to all the different cities. So it really felt like a, a highway, but with boats. It was really cool to see. So when I leave, I plan to go the other direction to Moin. And that is a three or four hour boat ride down that whole peninsula and through some canals. And then I intend to continue on down the Caribbean coast through the port city of Limon and then down to Puerto Viejo. But not until I explore what's here. So here I am in a canoe with my tour guide, Israel Brenes Lopez, and three other tourists. They're from France and from Spain. 
So the first thing we came across was a few big birds. We saw an anhinga, which is also called a snake bird because it has this long skinny neck and looks like a snake when it's swimming in the water. It reminds me of a heron, a nice big bird. And we also saw a tiger heron, as well as blue herons. Um, both the anhinga and the tiger heron had their wings outstretched. I'm trying to dry it in the sunlight, keep parasites and bacteria away. We had a nice sunny morning. We were very lucky. Don't get a lot of sunny days here in the rainforest. Here's Israel telling us about the tiger heron and what it eats. La garza tigre se alimenta de peces, ranas, cangrejos, camarones, eh, serpientes, lagartijas, bebés caimanes, bebés cocodrilos. Es una buena predadora. Here you can hear the sound of the tiger heron. Soon we came across a little baby crocodile. He's so cute. So you were saying the big ones, they have non-natural predators? What is that? The non-natural predator for iguanas is the human. The what? The? Human. Ah, the human. Yeah, the Homo sapiens sapiens. <laughs> because we destroyed the... Uh... No, no, the people is... Uh, well, people can kill iguanas with the meat. So Costa ah, Ricans, okay. we are descendants from Aborigines, Aborigines were hunters, the, yeah. our parents were hunters, and there are people that are still hunting. Ah, okay. According for people, the kill iguanas to eat the meat, they want a meat taste similar to chicken, and they call chickens on trees. <laughs> but remember, all species in Costa Rica are protected by law, even if they are not in a protected area. We also saw blue herons, which migrate all up and down the Americas. We have great blue herons in Oregon, and they migrate through Costa Rica as well. We also learned that the blue herons will fish using flies, and they will actually rip off the little wings of a fly put it in the water so it will swim around and use that to catch fish. It takes the wings off? Exactly. That's amazing. It is very smart. With its little beak? Yeah. <laughs> it is very smart. Wow. We saw two kinds of monkeys. Spider monkeys and howler monkeys. 
here Israel is imitating the sound of a howler monkey. Small but very loud. Muy, eh, Son pequeños pero muy ruidosos. In the monkeys around the wall, the howler monkey is the loudest monkey in the monkeys around the wall with the biggest sound. According to some biographies, you can hear the howler monkey sound with five kilometers distance from the monkey. He went on to tell us about how howler monkeys live in troops of 15 or more and how as the babies grow up the males have to then leave the troop and go find another troop so the way they do that is by challenging other alpha males and they end out taking over a new troop just like lions do they will kill any of the babies and then they'll be able to mate with the females in the group most exciting part of the trip was when we got up close to a caiman that was hiding down in the water. Only its eye was sticking up, but we were able to get really close to it. They're not as aggressive as crocodiles. They said we would not have been that close to a crocodile, uh, but that was exciting. And then we all realized that there were babies. Altogether, we counted eight little babies of that caiman. So we sat there for a long time watching those. It was very exciting. And we did it all before 9 a.m. I'm staying at the Arakari Garden Hostel. But most places that you stay also they don't have their own tours, they can definitely connect you to some other tours. The standard things here are a walking tour, a night tour, which I'm going to be doing tonight, and the uh, tour on the water. So there are some boats that are motorized. We went in a canoe all together. Uh, there's kayaking tours, all kinds of ways you can get up and see the animals. Arriving at the dock in Tortuguero, you see a cluster of boats and a series of restaurants all along the water. I don't know how it didn't occur to me that because there were no roads to Tortuguero, there would also be no cars in Tortuguero, but I was kind of surprised to see how small, um, you can't even call them streets, little paths around the town are um, the main the main pathway is paved, um, but as you go off into side sidewalks, I want to say side streets, but side sidewalks, um, you have uh, unpaved paths um, just kind of meandering through this narrow little strip of land here. Um, it's only, if we had blocks, one might call it a block or two wide, 
um, really just fun place to walk around uh, here next to my hostel where I am sitting in the courtyard right now uh, there's a, a soccer field where I've seen some some kids playing soccer all the main resorts the big resorts are, are out on the edge of town um, but there's a lot of smaller hotels and hostels within the main street here um, up and down you've just got all kinds of um, little tourist shops and restaurants um, there are a few grocery stores Things are a lot more expensive here, seeing as everything had to get here by boat in the first place. Um, so while I've been buying these two liters of, of water, um, they cost 850 The last place I was, they were 1,100 colones here in Tortuguero. As far as where to eat, it seems like uh, many of the restaurants have similar food, um, and they all seem to be great. Uh, but I really enjoyed eating at the patio restaurant because they had a, a two-story tall patio where you could really get a wonderful view and sit right up against the edge of the canal as you ate. Um, there's all kinds of different things to eat here. The usual Costa Rican food like gallo pinto or casado. Um, but here we have some Caribbean culture as well. So there's some different Caribbean foods to eat, which I haven't tried yet. Um, there is, of course, ceviche, which I can't stop eating. Um, and then there's a little bit of street food as well. Um, I tried right along the docks. There was a wonderful little stand where a woman was making homemade tortillas. Um, they were, she mixed, mixed up the dough right in front of me. She wasn't quite ready when I got there. So they were as fresh as could be, um, kind of thick bready style tortillas. Um, and then inside that was two big pieces of cheese and, uh, a sour cream sort of sauce that was very delicious. Um, that for 600 colones, I would definitely recommend as a snack, um, there's also people selling coconuts. You can get the Coco Loco, which is a coconut with rum and things in it. Um, so all kinds of good stuff to eat here. And in the center of town, you can see the old logging equipment. Back in the 1950s, Tortuguero uh, became a logging community. Western cultures from outside came in and uh, cut down all the beautiful old growth forest. So this is no longer old growth forest around here. Um, and built some of the canals that you find now in order to float all those logs down to, down to the main port to be sent off. Uh, there was also a lot of hunting of sea turtles at that, that point. Uh, we've got green sea turtles, hawksbill turtles and leatherback turtles, uh, which I have not seen one of, but there is a life-size model of one in the center of town, and it is enormous. Someday I hope to see one, but they are endangered. Um, so in 1975, the Torjiguero National Park was established, and that's when, that's when this community really started becoming a center of ecotourism. In the 1980s, people kind of started to hear about it. Until today, it is very reliant on tourism, um, and people really appreciate the value of protecting 
the environment around us. So to become a guide in Costa Rica is no simple thing. Uh, There's a program you have to go through that's a 15-month long training with classes. Um, And once you graduate from that, then you have a few-month-long internship uh, somewhere working in one of the national parks. And then you finally get your guide badge and you can go on to lead tours in Costa Rica. Uh, So it's been interesting uh, talking to the guides and learning about some of the little changes, even just in the village of Tortuguero, um, that have happened even in the last few years uh, to improve things for the sea turtles. Um, there, at some point, ecotourism becomes problematic as you get so many people coming into town. So there have been some changes recently. In fact, I learned that there are normally way more tourists in this town than I'm seeing right now. I'm traveling as tourists are starting to come back after COVID. And so numbers are way less. Normally this town has 3000 tourists coming in every day and leaving every day, uh, which is far more than I'm seeing right now. I went on the night tour last night and um, that does not occur in the national park because that closes at night, uh, but just kind of around the edges of town and in the forest in the surrounding area. And uh, we got to see the uh, staging areas for when the turtles are here. It used to be that all the tourists would just go out on the beach with their guides and disturb the turtles too much. So now they have uh, little covered areas where you wait until it's your turn to go out onto the beach so that they can minimize the impact uh, that people have on these turtles when they're laying their eggs. It was also interesting to see along the edge of town, they didn't have the white street lights; they were red lights uh, because the turtles can get disoriented from the lights of town um, and not be able to find their way back to the ocean. Uh, so all along the edge of town were red lights. But in the nighttime, will be a lot of baby turtles, a lot of big turtles around the light because they feel confused. Um, and the electricity company decided to change this light and now avoid a little bit the impact that we produce of those turtles. And I mean, it's not allowed to have a bar, a restaurant, uh, riding horse, uh, jet ski, bananas, no activities on the sea because of the same reason. Nobody can cut the plants and the trees because otherwise the light is going to be straight to the sea to confuse the turtles. Mm-hmm. And it happened all the time. Even we could find so many turtles right here. We need to get a bucket for the babies and throw them in the sea. All the time. They're attracted to the white light? Yes. This They can feel this one, but less. Even you can put a baby turtle right here and they are going to take the way back. If you put it right there, it's going to walk around. And then dogs, ants, crap, a lot of toes are taking a lot of babies. It's a big festival. When we get turtles arriving for laying in the eggs, it's a festival for many animals, even for people. It's not legal in Costa Rica, but it still happens. People hunting in the sea with harpooning, or when they are trying to build in the nest, tied with a rope because of the meat, because of the shell, and even digging the, the nest for the, the eggs. It's completely illegal, but happened, my friend. Less than before, but happened.
That was Andre, who was our tour guide on the night tour. It was a lot of fun to walk around the forest at night and something I couldn't have done safely by myself. One of the first things he told us about was how people need to bring their pets in at night, their dogs and cats, because of the jaguars, which are occasionally found uh, to walk the streets of Tortuguero at night. So, of course, I had to find out what I should do if I do see a jaguar. So the answer was, don't run and don't turn your back. If you have a kid with you, put them on your shoulders so that you look bigger. And then slowly back away. Andre also told us while we were on our tour that we needed to use our flashlights to help him look for animals, but also to be constantly checking the ground in front of us when we walk to make sure that we avoid stepping on or near any snakes. Uh, there's something like 130 species of snakes in Costa Rica, but about 30 of them are venomous. So we did not want to run into any of those. So here's a few moments from the night tour. That, that bull, can you see that bull right there? I think so. What's moving? <laughs> Another light. Can you see my friend? Can you recognize? <laughs> a little bit? <laughs> I see that one, right? No. Uh, there's just a ball. You need to. Right there. Really? <laughs> it's moving, it's moving, it's moving. And in some cases, it's a little bit harder trying to identify because they most of the time you're gonna be like this, just in a ball. Just in a bowl, like in this case, look at. Maybe when we, when we go back, maybe we can see, we can see it moving. Hmm. This is my third sloth that I can't see. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Active, moving. No, they were all just in the ball. same. Yeah. yeah. Look at. She saw it three times. The third time, sleeping. <laughs> I've never seen a. Good. It just looks like a ball every time. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's, let's walk a little bit. There was one in a tree in my hostel really? in uh, La Fortuna. Oh, nice. Sleeping. Sleeping. For two days it sat there sleeping. <laughs> and then it moved when I wasn't there. Oh, really? <laughs> Somebody told you? Well, it was just gone. <laughs> So besides the ball of sloth, we've also seen some interesting birds. A couple of different basilisks, that's the Jesus Christ lizard. We saw the brown version and the green version. We saw an amazing little opossum that almost looked like a mouse. Poor thing was just totally frozen in our flashlights. I kind of got the feeling as we were walking through the forest all with our flashlights that there were a lot more animals watching us than we were finding. There were also lots of cool spiders and insects. They are 
cutting the piece of leaf not really for eating the leaf it's because they are gonna use that leaf for planting a mushrooms and then eat that mushroom so he's telling us here about how these leaf cutter ants will harvest all of these leaves not because they eat them themselves but they use them to grow these mushrooms that they then feed to their larvae and it's going to be dangerous. So it's interesting that they don't get any certain kind of leaf. They grab all different kinds of leaves, but they are really sensitive to how the mushroom is doing. And if it's not doing well, it's because of some toxic leaf that they've brought in. So then they'll remove that kind of leaf from the nest. They got no more predators because anteaters avoid them because they got a spiny bodies full of spiny and the thong of the anteater is so sensitive and they don't really like it even they avoid the bullet and the army the leaf cutter and they prefer to eat termites instead of of this kind of ant it's incredible it's, mm. how big is their nest inside there look at it it could get three deep three meters deep and six long Wow, mm -hmm. six meters long. Six meter long. That's very big. <laughs> wow. So I'm getting ready to leave in the morning. I've had a really amazing time, but I would say two nights is enough here. It's one of the coolest places I've ever been that I didn't need to stay. I kind of feel like after two days you've seen it and there's not a whole lot else you can do. I definitely recommend coming here. Also definitely recommend bringing a raincoat if you do end out in this part of Costa Rica. Very, very wet and rainy. And this is the dry season. On the boat now to Moin. It's very loud and it is amazingly beautiful. We're just zooming down these canals, seeing wildlife everywhere. These two white birds were just flying alongside the boat for a while. These canals are twisting and turning and it's gorgeous. This is a much smaller boat than the boat that I came in on from La Pavona. This one holds probably 10 people. And I feel like we're also going a lot faster than we were on the way in. This is a much longer boat journey. This is the way to travel right here. And we've been passing tiger herons and uh, just saw three or four huge turtles sunning themselves on a rock. Uh, they, they must not be sea turtles. I think they're probably freshwater turtles. Although this water is brackish. It's, uh, the salt water sinks down to the bottom, but there's fresh water on top.
I learned that those are in fact freshwater turtles. They're spotted turtles. And we also saw three crocodiles. We keep coming up to these turns where we hit the ocean and then we turn again to go back into the canals. It's really dramatic. I feel like we've seen a lot of a whole variety of different ecosystems that we've gone through here. Wide rivers, narrow rivers, clear water, brown water. At one point we were going by kind of ranches with horses. A whole variety of things to see on this three to four hour boat ride to Moines. Well, thanks for coming along on this adventure. This brings me to the end of my time at Tortuguero. Up next, I'm headed to Puerto Viejo on the southern Pacific coast of Costa Rica, and I hope to see you there. You can see pictures from my trip to Tortuguero if you find me on Instagram. It's Travel Along Podcast. You can also email me at travelalongpodcast at gmail.com. You can send me your stories, your questions, audio clips, and I will include it on the podcast.